glad he's coming for you. Thank you, Lord. Not for the person down the street or the just the pastor or the Sunday school teacher, but he's coming for you. Amen. Amen. I believe that in this hour that we live in. Amen. Let's uh, go to 1 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 24. 1 Samuel 14, 24. And we'll continue tonight on, uh, on breaking the family curse, speaking about King Saul. And I want to title this tonight, Let My People Eat. Brother Joel told me that should have been the title Sunday morning. <laughs> Let my people eat. We've got a, uh, our kids are going to have a birthday party this week. I think we're going to do that. Is it this Friday night? No? Next week. Next Friday night. So we'll do that then. Um, we got the men's Bible study Saturday morning um, at 8 o'clock. If some of you guys want to show up. I really appreciated you showing up last month. It's been a month now. We'll be reading from Daniel chapter 2 and studying that a little bit. If you want to come to that, it'll be from 8 to 9 o'clock on Saturday morning. And then Sunday's Mother's Day. If you're staying uh, after church Sunday, after the morning service, and if you're planning on staying in the fellowship hall, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll put it like this. I'm going to cook for my wife. Now, I may not do much of the cleaning, but I'm sure that some of us could find... Oh, Brother Caleb raised his hand, my goodness. So if we do the cook and the cleanup at the fellowship hall, those of you that want to stay, if you want to go and, and take your wife out, that'd be fine as well. But maybe it'd be better if some of you did that. But, uh, <laughs> but I, can, I can grill out at least. So, so I'm, well, that's what I'm going to do this weekend. So if you all want to join me in that, you'd sure be welcome to do that. And, and we'll have some good food. I'm trying not to hold you so long this, this Sunday. Amen. The Lord's good to us, so isn't he? Let's read 1 Samuel 14, 24. And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had adjured the people, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food until evening, that I may be avenged on mine enemies. So none of the people tasted any food. Let's bow our heads together for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be in your house again. So thankful to be one of your chosen few, Lord, that are standing here, not by our own efforts today, but because you chose us before the foundation of the world. We're thankful for that, Lord, and we pray that you would just move in our midst. Lord, move me out of the way. Speak those things that you would have spoken, Lord, and, and whatever I would say myself and my own human ability, Lord, help me to keep that quiet. Lord, and may you speak tonight, because I know that only you can make a difference in the lives of the people. I pray you bless each and every one that came out tonight, each one that's watching at home. I pray that you just bless them abundantly, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this evening. I appreciate that song, The King is Coming, because the problem with Saul... And the children of Israel doing what they did and rejecting uh, the Holy Spirit and rejecting Samuel, the leadership of Samuel. They were rejecting God and his plan. There was a king coming. Yes. And they actually, uh, they actually were trying to set up a kingdom ahead of time yeah. when there was one coming. And that's the true, uh, what's true of every denomination, of every time there's a... 
a, a movement that moves. Uh, what it does is like Sarah, it, it sees that maybe things aren't what they're supposed to be or maybe what they think they shouldn't be. And so they get in a hurry. And anytime you get in a hurry, you get in God's way. And so the people got in a hurry and said, we need a king. They did need a king, sure. but they didn't need Saul. Right. They needed David. Yes. The, we do need a king today. But we don't need a Saul. We don't need a denomination. Yeah. We don't need a man. Yeah. We don't need somebody up in, up in some city somewhere telling us what to do. That's not what we need. We need the king. Yes. And the king is coming. Yes. The Bible says he's coming. And, and we find there's a parallel to that. If you look in, in Daniel chapter 7, that there's a parallel to this. That before the Ancient of Days could sit in judgment on the throne, that the four beasts had to have their time. There had to be a time. The Gentile kingdoms had to have their time. The church ages had to have its time before the king, the son of David, yes. could reign in the millennium. And, and so the Gentile times had to come. And so Daniel 7.17 says, These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom. This is going to happen. Yes. There's a king coming. Yes. There's a kingdom coming. You're going to reign one of these days as kings and priests. But right now, don't get ahead of God and try to do it by human effort because you'll mess up God's plan. The saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. And he goes on to describe those beasts and that fourth beast and how that it would come and, and that Roman system. And, he, and then in verse 26, he said, But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion. Oh, I love this. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. I believe it's happening right now. And we're seeing the, the beginning of it. But there's a kingdom coming. And the judgment shall sit. They shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. They shall take it away. Who's going to take it away? Not a single person. Not the, but but the, king, the people of the kingdom. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Now who's the him that we're talking about here? Go to the New Testament, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. There's a king coming, church. We don't need to lose sight of that and begin to get in a hurry, Brother Allen, and begin to begin to try to change the message or change the scriptures to fit our own ideology. There's a king coming. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't give up hope because there's a king coming down the road and that king, at that name of that king of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Aren't you glad you know the king today? You see, Saul attempted to bring that by force. The people of, of Israel attempted to bring that by force when they should have been watching, and Saul, under his birth path, you remember, was to be a protector of that king. And even down in the millennium, you find that the tribe of Benjamin is a protector of the king. But now, Saul should have been a protector of David's rights. <laughs> Are you hearing me now? He should have been fighting to protect David's rights, but he actually ended up fighting against David. Yes. And we see the Benjamite coming out in him that he began to raven like a wolf. Now, 
Again, denominations, whether in or out of the message, try to bring about a millennial reign by force through some important man somewhere or some, sometimes even through a local pastor to try to set the kingdom into, into motion. But I'll tell you this, there will always be a mixed multitude as long as we're here. Yes. There will always be tares and wheat as long as we're here. There will always be three kinds of believers as long as we're here. And we don't like to hear that, but there will always be good and bad in the church as long as we're here. We'll be dealing with this old flesh as long as we're here. And so as long as we do that, we don't set a kingdom by force. Are you with me now? So now, and, and, but this is what happens is, and I just want to, this is kind of building up to what I want to say tonight, but, but what Saul had done is he'd gotten a Messiah complex that he thought he was the only one that could help the people. Listen, if I'm the only one that can help the people, God's not doing very good. If I'm his last hope, he's not doing very good. But there's got to be somebody else out there that can help them as well. I believe there's people that are I'm called to and people that are called to listen uh, to my preaching or God wouldn't have called me to preach. But at the same time, I'm not the only one that can help you. There's a five-fold ministry, not yes. just one. Yes. Right? There's a five-fold ministry. And, and so you don't just listen to your pastor, although I'd appreciate it if you did listen to your pastor when your pastor's preaching. But, but there's other men that can help you. There's, there's men sitting right here in the church that can help you. We don't want to get a Messiah complex where we feel like we're the only one that can do that. God's got people everywhere that, that can help one another. And if God forbids I would die in a car wreck tonight, God would raise up another man to stand in this pulpit and preach the word. He already knew it would happen before it ever takes place. Right? So uh, Saul began to feel like the people didn't matter. Like it didn't matter what the deacons said or the trustees said or what the warriors did. He would just take credit for it. Yeah. Right? Brother Branham said that and the rejected king, Saul would take credit for what Jonathan did. But notice how different, different David was. David inspired other mighty men to act. Yeah. And that's the kind of leaders that we want to be, don't you? Want to be that kind of a leader in your home, that kind of a leader in your community? Not that you would be somebody who would lord, be a lord over God's heritage, but you'd be someone who, in, who inspires other people to act by your own life and by the way that you live. And so David, by taking down Goliath, inspires mighty men to go down and take other giants down. Yes, right. right, but Saul's always taking credit for what other men did. Huh? So you see the difference. Those spirits... Don't die. They still live on today. So mighty men under Saul had to sneak around to do anything for God. And then if they did do something, Saul would take credit for it. You'll find that men of God sometimes get this Messiah complex. Elijah had it at the cave when he said, Lord, I'm the only one left. And the still small voice spoke to him and he walked out there and he said, Lord, you don't know what's happened, but I'm going to tell you. God already knew what happened. Yes. And it's interesting that God never, he never responded to Elijah's complaint. Right? right? Uh, he, he just goes and he says, now I want you to do this and I want you to do that. Your ministry's not over. He said, and then I want to tell you this. He said, there's 7,000. Yeah. 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 Amen. Who have not bowed their knee to Baal. You're not the only one. I've got others you don't even know about. So, but... To Saul, everything in Israel become about Saul and what he could do. And it gave him a warped view of his own importance. Remember, Samuel told him, when you were little in your own sight, God could work through you. But now you're important. 
But really, he was only a placeholder until the real king came. And so now, that's one of the great things Brother Branham said that man does when he tries to look. He said because he looks like Cain looked through the glasses. He looks at personal achievement. Cain thought, now if I can get Abel out of the way, then I'm the only one. He said, see there, the other fellow's out of the way. He said, that's what man has tried to do down through the years, is try to get the other fellow out of the way. God forbid that that spirit would be around us. We don't want to get the other man out of the way. We want to promote the other man. Because the better the other man does, the better I do. Right? He said, that's what man has tried to do down through the years. Try to get the other fellow out of the way. When he ought to be trying to bring the other fellow in the way with him and be a brother. You see, instead of trying to say, oh, that little group, just rake them out. And this over here, oh, well, they are this or that. We shouldn't do that. He said, we should be trying to bring the whole thing to one solid picture. And that is Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that tonight? I'm trying to hurry through this so I don't hold you real long tonight. So you just... Bear with me. If I move a little fast, go back and listen to it later. Let's look at Saul and his methods. And, and as we begin to look at this in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and 14, we find the Philistines had control, such control that they actually had sword control. Or sword, if you live in Oklahoma. They had sword control uh, over the people. They, like gun control would be today, they didn't let them make swords because they tried to keep the weapons out of the hands of the people. And so in 1 Samuel 13, 21, it tells us, though, that the children of Israel had a file for the mattocks and for the cultures and for the forks and for the axes and to sharpen the goats. And I've always loved that scripture because who would have thought, the Philistines would have never thought that an ox goat would be used by Shamgar to defeat. So they left a file there to sharpen the goats, and God would use that. Amen. What's in your hand? Use that. Yes. Hallelujah. I don't have much. Use what you've got. Yes, sir. And, and so they left the file to sharpen the ghost. But the point is there was no, there was no sword nor spear in 1 Samuel 13, 22. In the day of battle, there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that was, were with Saul and Jonathan. But with Saul and with Jonathan, his son, was there found. Now, I want to look at Jonathan for a moment because he appears suddenly in the narrative. And he is Saul's son, but he's actually a greater warrior than Saul. And Jonathan never loses his place. I want you to watch Jonathan's life. You'll look at it. He never loses his place. He knows that he's not going to be king. Jonathan knows it. Saul refuses to believe it. But Jonathan knows it. And yet he's a much better man in many ways than Saul was. And yet it's a tragic story because he remains with his father. And, and there's really nothing else he could do, but he remains with him, and he is slain with Saul because he is identified with his kingdom, and every threat to David had to be taken out of the way because David was God's choice. Now, look, David didn't do it. Now, remember, David does not set himself up to be king by natural means, yeah, that's right. yeah. but God does it. Yes. Right, and that ought to be the way any, uh, any man of God, when you, when you take a position, or, or in the church for that matter, whether it's a, a song leader or a trustee or whatever, you don't, you don't go cutting other people down, right? Or a deacon, I don't know that that's ever happened here. God forbid that it would. I'm not preaching at you. I'm just saying this as a principle. You don't cut other people down to elevate yourself. That's Saul's method, but not David's. So now, he, he, but Jonathan is identified with his kingdom, so he ends up dying with Saul. We'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. 
when you identify yourself with a backslidden ministry, if we could say it that way, or a denominational ministry, it's not your job to remove it or to cut it down, simply to leave it. Brother Brown said, don't put your confidence in a man. When that man leaves the word of God, you leave the man. I said, but Brother Ben, if you preach that, people will leave. Well, if I leave the word, they'll leave. <laughs> and if they leave for some other reason, then they, that's between them and God. Right? But, but if I don't want to leave the word. I want to stay with God. God is the word. And so, but if I do leave the word, and, and I'm human, if I left the word, and, and, and stubbornly, stubbornly stayed off of the path of the word, then the people ought to leave me. Because when I leave the word, I leave God. And that's what the, the conundrum that Jonathan was in, being identified with that system, he actually, he actually died with it. 1 Samuel 14 and 1. Let's look at this. Now, it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. Now, remember last time we preached about ruling by fear. Ruling by fear always results in deception. So Jonathan says, you know what? I haven't been in a meeting in a while. Haven't seen any devils die in a while. So I think it's about time we killed some devils. And in 1 Samuel 14, 2, Saul tarried in the uttermost parts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. So notice, here was Saul... Here was Saul tearing under a tree, and Jonathan gets to looking at his sword. Because remember, only Jonathan and Saul had a sword. And Jonathan begins to look at his sword and says, there's got to be something else I can do with this. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Other than sit under a tree and gripe about what's coming. If, if I have a sword, there must be a reason. There must be something. Listen to me. Every man ought to get his sword. Every woman ought to get her sword. Every one of you, every man, woman, boy, and girl ought to get their sword and do something with it. Uh, and that's what Jonathan did. He said, I got a sword. Might as well use it. The other fellows don't have swords, but that don't keep me back. Right? So, but he had to sneak out to do it because the pastor wouldn't have let him. That's a shame, isn't it? Yes. Huh? I don't say that I don't say that, again, you stay, Jonathan stayed in his, in his calling in doing that. Jonathan was a warrior. So he stayed in his calling as a warrior. He didn't try to be king. He didn't try to take his sword and, and cut Saul's head off with it. Right? Or David's for that matter. He didn't try to play politics. He went out to fight. Oh, and that's what we ought to do is go out to fight. Amen. Now... He, he, he told not his father, and, and Saul tarried then under the tree, and Ahiah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. Now, notice where Saul is, and he's in Gibeah. Saul never takes Jerusalem. David does that later. But now, God's not speaking to Saul. And I believe one of the reasons God's not speaking to Saul is he's remaining in the mentality that this priest is somehow going to help him. And this priest come from a backslidden family of priests. If you go back and, and run his lineage back, he was, uh, the Bible tells us he's the brother of Ichabod. Ichabod means the Lord, is, the glory is departed. It, it was the time when the, when the Ark of the Covenant was taken down into the Philistine lands. And because of the way that Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's sons, were acting. Right? And so this is the grandson, and he's there in the, 
uh, there with them in, in Shiloh. And Saul thinks, well, surely the Lord will speak because he's a priest. But he doesn't recognize that God, that, that God has changed over. He's not working in that old denomination anymore. But he's actually working through the prophet Samuel. Yes. Right? And, but instead of waiting on the prophet Samuel or trying to find out what Samuel had to say about it, he actually goes and consults this backslidden priest. Now, verse 6, Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over into the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. Oh, my. For there is no restraint to the Lord to say by many or by few. Amen. God don't need big numbers to save people. He don't need big numbers to have church. He don't need big numbers to fill the presence of God. He don't need big numbers to do the things that we need to do and, and, and have a, the, 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 the power of God among us. He don't need that. He don't need big numbers to heal. But what is it? He actually, he, whatever number you are, with him is a majority. Yes. Is that right? So he said, there's no restraint to the Lord. God's not restrained because there's less than, there's only two of us. Right, yeah. Amen. Why not? Right. Yeah. That's what I would say tonight. Why not go out and fight? Yeah. Why not stand for the gospel? Why not believe the message of the hour? Yeah. Why not believe that God still does miracles? Yeah. Why not believe God will save your children? Yeah. Why not come to church happy? Yeah. Huh? Why not come with a smile on your face? Yeah. Why not live for God? Why not give it everything you've got instead of coming in backslidden and cold, sitting under a tree somewhere? Pick up your sword. Yeah. Yeah. I might as well use it. You've got one. You might as well use it. Yeah. Why not? Say, well, there's only a few of us. I'll just sit back tonight. Why not believe God? Yeah. Are you with me tonight? Yeah. Why not believe God? And Jonathan said to the young man, he said, there's no restraint. It's no restraint that there's only two of us, but God is able with God. We have a majority. So now Jesus, Brother Brandon said, counts character, not members. He said, you know that he counts characters. He got a few here, doesn't he? He counts characters. God has always tried to get one man in his hand. Oh, can you say tonight, I'll be that one man. There may not be a bunch of people sitting around me tonight. It may not be a huge crowd on a Wednesday night. But Lord, I know you don't count men. You count characters. He always tried to get one man in his hand. He said that's all he needs is one man. And he'll do his work through the years. Amen. Well, I believe his work is continuing today. Verse 7, and his armor bearer said unto him, I love the attitude of the armor bearer. He said, do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. It wasn't his idea to have the meeting or to go to the meeting. But he said, I'm with you. I hope you're hearing me now. I'm with you. I thought of Brother Neville when I thought of this because Brother Neville was Brother Brandon's right-hand man behind in the shadows at Jeffersonville. And he would always always step aside for Brother Branham to come in and always support him, even though he didn't have the gift of a prophet. And I can imagine it must have hurt his feelings sometimes when the crowds would come in when Brother Branham was there. And you can imagine what it would be like as a pastor when everybody calls and, and uh, hey, we've got churches today like that. You know, is Brother so-and-so preaching? And sometimes they want to know what night so-and-so's preaching so that they can come. Because if they're not preaching, they might as well just stay at home. It doesn't matter. Nothing, nothing. You'd be surprised what God can do. Yes. <laughs> You'd be surprised what God can do if you give him half a chance. 
But Brother Neville just had a, you know, just a regular ministry, just like mine or other pastors would be. And, and I thought about him, and Brother Branham said this about him in Christ is the Mystery of God Revealed. He said, you people here, he said, hold him up. Like Joshua and Caleb held up the hands of Moses as he's bringing the word. He said, but not tonight's not my night to preach. Tonight's not my night to sing. Tonight's not my night to, I just sit back and wait and let somebody make me happy. No, hold up the hands of the minister. Hold up the hands of the pastor. You may not be the one, but you can be like the armor bearer and says, I'm with you. Do it in your heart. Hey, man, hold up his hands as he's bringing the word. How do you do that? Do you know how you keep my hands up? You know how you keep my spirits up? You know how you keep me from faltering? You know how you keep these other brothers from faltering? By saying, amen. So be it. Sick him, boy. That's how you keep my hands up. Right? Hold his hands up. You say, I don't feel like it. But you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for the others. You're holding their hands up. As long as Moses' hands were up, the people had victory. Amen. Brother Branham said this. He said, we can make ourselves nothing. You can't make bishops and prophets and so forth. You can't manufacture it. It's got to be born in you. Got to be the spirit of God predestinated from the foundation of the world. God said in the church. God did what he did. And when we try to impersonate, we lose our influence. How many times have I seen that? When you try to be some other preacher, you lose your influence. He said it's like a ball game. Somebody at a football game, somebody gets the ball and every one of his own players try and take the ball right away from him. He said, you can't win the game. Be a guard. Oh, can we, can we grab a hold of this tonight? Be a guard. Guard the ball. I'm trying to take it away from the next man. Glory to God, if he can do it over here on this corner, God bless him. Amen. You say, but Brother Ben, there'll be a church on every corner. My hell, wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if there was a church with this message on every corner? And there would be enough people for them to go, to go to them? Amen. I don't, I don't have any interest in swapping people out, but if there's enough people to keep a church going on every corner, so be it. Yes. Right. Amen. He said, I'm a oneness. I can do it. I'm a Trinitarian. I can do it. Or you say, he ain't got no business doing that. You're knocking the ball out of your own player's hands. Yes. Let's guard the ball. This is the ball. The Holy Spirit is trying to pack it. It'll condemn communism. It'll condemn sin. It'll condemn unrighteousness. It'll manifest and glorify Jesus Christ and bring his person into the midst of the people. Don't you know that's what we need tonight? We need his person, his presence in the midst of the people. We need him to have the preeminence. How are we going to get there? He said it's the ball. This is the ball. And the Holy Spirit is packing the ball. Let's get behind it. Amen. Amen. Excuse me tonight, I'm preaching about eating, I get stirred up. <laughs> I haven't even got to my sermon yet. <laughs> First Samuel 14, 13, Jonathan climbed up on his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him. They fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. I like that. He wasn't the first one to go, but he went. Yep. He got some devils too. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within, as it were, a half acre of land which a yoke of oxen might plow. And there was a trembling in the host. Watch, he only killed 20. But look at the effect that it had on the other devils or Philistines. Right? There was a trembling in the host, in the field, among all the people. The garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled. And the earth quaked. So it was a very great trembling. Now, right now would have been a good time for Saul to join in. 
But instead, he was trying to figure out who went to the meeting without being authorized by the pastor. Are you with me tonight? (laughs) My God, what are they doing up there? At the meeting, the whole place is shaking. They're making noise, man. That ain't right. Sitting here under my tree, taking a nap, and they're making noise. And, and the earth's trembling. And so the watchmen of Saul and Gabeah, Benjamin, looked. They got on the internet and they looked at some of the services and they said, Man, the, the multitude's melting away. The enemies are beating down on one another. You always tell devils because they beat on one another. God's people don't do that. Somebody's beating on somebody. I don't care if it's a husband or wife, I don't care if it's a pastor in the church. I don't care, whoever it is, when we're beating on somebody, it's, it's inspired by the devil. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We don't beat down on people. Yeah. Huh? They, now look, they were, they were beating down on one another, and Saul said unto the people that were with him, Number now, and see who has gone from us. Uh-oh. Who went up there? Until they begin to look down through the thing and say, Who is it? And then they, when the cameras scan the crowd, this hasn't happened. I'm just <laughs> dramatizing it for you. On, Maybe it has, I don't know. <laughs> Look through the crowd and see who was there. Right. Who went down to the meeting. Yeah. When they had numbered, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. Uh-oh. Oh, my. Yeah. And they missed church to go to the meeting. And Saul said to Ahai, I'll tell you what, you can miss church for worse things. Right. I want you to be at your post of duty, but you can miss church for worse things than to go kill some devils. I mean, if you're out killing some devils, God bless you. You keep killing them. We need less of them. And Saul said unto Ahiah, bring hither the ark of God. For the ark of God was at that time with the children of Israel. And it came to pass, now listen, he had the word. But no dynamics to make it work. But Jonathan had the dynamics. He might as well go do it. (laughs) And the ark of God was with him. And it came to pass while Saul talked to the priest, the old backslidden priest, that the noise that was in the host of the Philistines went on and increased. Oh, I love it. And so, why is there noise? Because Jonathan's caused some destruction. He gotten through to God. And Saul said to the priest, withdraw thine hand. He said, he finally realized, I better go help this boy. (laughs) Saul loves, again, to gain credit, or to get the credit. And so Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves, and they came to the battle. And behold, every man's sword was against his fellow, and there was a very great discomfiture. Moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time. Now watch, this was such a great meeting. Think about this meeting that they had. It was such a great meeting. I want to have one of those kind of meetings in July. That even the Hebrews, even the people that were in the world, could look at it and say, hey, we better go to church. They're killing some devils up there. The Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time, which went uh, went up with them into the camp from the country round about, even they also turned to be with the Israelites. All the old backsidden Hebrews that were running around with the Philistines turned around. Why? Because Jonathan took his sword out. Yeah. 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 Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. And when he began to preach, they began to realize something's different about this. Even they also turned to be with the Israelites that were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel which had hid themselves and, and played tapes at home in Mount Ephraim. When they heard that the Philistines fled, I feel good tonight. <laughs> They hid themselves when they heard that the Philistines fled. Even they followed hard after them in the battle. 
So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed over unto Beth Haven. What was it? Something peculiar had happened. Yes, sir. Yeah. Amen. Something different had happened. God was moving. But now we come to a very peculiar part of the story, and this is where my title comes from, Let My People Eat. Because as the people were fighting that day, they began to grow weary in the battle. And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had adjured the people, saying, Cursed be the man, this is while he's sitting under his tree, Cursed be the man that eateth any food until evening, that I may be avenged on mine enemies. So none of the people tasted any food. He says, That I may be avenged on my enemies. That tells you all you need to know about Saul. How many pastors, I would say today, and people, and I won't just limit to pastors, but, but in different places, that would starve God's people for the sake of their own complexes. That I may be avenged on my enemies. You can't eat nothing. Now, I notice, you remember when they come over into the land, there was something that was promised to them. Anybody remember what it was? It said it would be a land flowing with milk and honey. Yes. Right? That's a promise. The promises of God were that the land would be flowing with milk and honey. So that if you went out one day without eating, and you got weary... That there might be honey on the ground. Because the land was flowing with it. It was a promise of God. Yeah. And you might be able to eat some and get your strength back. But the people couldn't eat. Because Saul said, nobody's going to eat until my bitterness, my, the cup of my bitterness is full. <laughs> until, until I'm avenged on my enemies. He said nothing about God's enemies. He said my enemies. Oh my. There was honey on the ground. They they of the land come to a wood and there was honey upon the ground. And and they should have remembered. Oh, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And when the people were coming to the wood, behold, the honey dropped. It was dripping off of everywhere. But no man put his hand to his mouth. For the people feared the oath. He got them so controlled by fear. God help us today. Yes. That the people were afraid to enter in yes. to the promises of God. They were afraid of it because they, were, they had been walking on ground and it was sticky. Everywhere they went, there was honey. Imagine what it must have been like. Their shoes were sticking to the ground. But they couldn't eat it. And they were starving to death. They were starving to death, but they couldn't, they wouldn't do it because Pastor Saul said, Don't you shout. Don't don't you go get hands laid on you. Don't go in that prayer line. That's Pentecostal. I'm being just as clear about it as I can be tonight. Pastor Saul said, You better not go. They don't agree with us. The people feared the oath. Now, God always provides food in due season. Do you believe that? (laughs) Elijah was down there one time, and and it was a famine going to go on, and and God told him, he said, go up to the brook Cherith. He said, I'm going to let crows bring you sandwiches. 
bread and meat. <laughs> Bring you a ham sandwich or a chicken sandwich or whatever that it was. I prefer to think it was chicken myself. It would be kind of funny, though, birds bringing a chicken sandwich. But hopefully it wasn't crow. But whatever it was, it was good. It kept him alive. And so Elijah's up there eating of it. And so Brother Branham was talking about this one time, and he said, and he said I said, he's talking to a person who, who had told him he was crazy. I said, you told me I was crazy because I was shouting. Right. <laughs> oh, my. I, you said I was excited. And it was mental telepathy. I said, the only thing I know, because he asked him, he said, how did God bring sandwiches to those people? How did he bring sandwich to Elijah? The only thing I know, the Holy Ghost brings it, we eat it and get fat and round. Oh, praise God, I got message for it. (laughs) He said, that's all that makes any difference to me. Now, I may be fat and round in the natural, but let me tell you, you, you want to be fat and round when it comes to the spiritual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? The only thing, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know what denomination it's a part of, but I know this. If it's a promise of God, it belongs to me. Yeah. And I can pick it up and eat of it. If it's laying there on the ground, let me pick it up and eat it. Yeah. Let me eat it. He said, the only thing I know, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know how the crows carried the sandwiches. I don't know if they used Miracle Whip or mayonnaise or peanut butter, what they use on the sandwich. I don't know, but I know this. Amen. When I eat it, I get fat and round. Hallelujah. Oh, I'd like to have some fat and round Christians in the house tonight. Been eating of the good things of God. Amen. We're not going to go on a spiritual diet where I refuse to preach certain things because somebody else preaches them. I don't care who preaches them or who don't. Let's preach the word. We're going to preach you the whole counsel of God. We'll preach the judgments of God and the blessings of God. Yes. We'll preach against sin and we'll preach predestination. Yes. We'll preach grace. Why? Because we preach the whole counsel of God. Yes. Preach me something. Let me hear something. Let me eat something that will make me fat and round. Yes. He said you can say we're crazy if you want to. When we want a drink, we go to the rock that was smitten on Calvary. There's honey found in that same rock. Amen. And every man tonight that's born of the Spirit of God has a right to go there and ask for it. Oh, my, that ought to be a, that's a promise, church. We have a right. He said, and the Holy Ghost brings down his spiritual dinner, his spiritual supper, his breakfast. Oh, my. And then say we're crazy. Listen to me. The other day I ate something that was so good. Oh, I loved it. It was a hamburger. I'm going to make you hungry. It's about a half pound of hamburger meat. On top of that, it was seasoned perfectly. Everybody overcooks hamburger meat, by the way. This was cooked perfectly. On top of that, they piled about a half pound of, of barbecue beef. And it had a seasoning in it that just made you want more of it. On top of that, they, they had cheese on the hamburger. It wasn't just American cheese. It was good cheese. I didn't investigate see what kind it was. It's gone now. But they had, on top of that, they had the, the, the best bun, and then it had sweet potato fries with it. And I ate that whole thing. I sat down. I wasn't even really that hungry when I sat down. But I sat down, and I ate that whole thing. And all day long, I was tasting that. I was. I could, I could taste it. I said, man, that's got to be the best thing. You know what I did? I advertised it. I put it on the Internet, and I talked to people about it. I'm still talking about it tonight. And I ate it days ago. Why, well, it made me fat and round. I had an effect. And the Holy Ghost. Amen. Aren't you glad for the Holy Ghost tonight? Because it brings down your spiritual dinner. 
yeah. and your spiritual supper. That's lunch and dinner, by the way, to us. Yeah. Your spiritual dinner and spiritual supper, your breakfast. And then say, we're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we're just eating. Yeah. Yeah. Reason, some people can't shout, and I know there's people who shout without having nothing to eat, and I realize that. But the reason we're shouting is because we've been eating. Yes, sir. Yeah. Huh? Oh, my. Brother Brown said that's the way they say that the Holy Ghost was for another age. He said that's what they think. Yes. It's here. He said we've been flying in the air for the last 40, 50 years with it, seeing things the intellectual people knows nothing about. The only thing they can do is sit down and just make fun of it. He said like a little calf one time come out of a stall, they said. It was just fattened around. I love that. He was kicking up his heels, and he had a very nice farmer that fed him good, and he was all around and full of vitamins. And another old lazy farmer over there that had a little calf. Brother Branham calls him a pastor in a couple places. A lazy pastor. Had a little calf also born in the barn that winter when the little fellow hadn't eaten nothing but weeds. And when he come out, he was so poor, he couldn't hardly move. And every time the wind would blow and shove him sideways. What happened? The winds are going to blow, church. Yes. You need to be fat and round enough spiritually that you don't blow over. This little calf wandering, he, he's staggering out and he's, he's so skinny that when the wind blew, he, he just staggered like that. Huh. He, he couldn't take it. That's why people get worried. They get scared. Oh, Russia's coming. Communism, all these other things. Look at the Democrats. Look at the Republicans. They get scared. Yeah. What's going to happen? Look at the riots going on around us. People get scared. You need to eat some more. Because there, it says, hey man, I got a seven course meal that says, I am the God that heals all thy diseases. I've never seen his seed forsaken or his seed begging, oh, yes. begging bread. Hey man, he's still God. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes. And when a man, he said, this little fat calf just kicking up his heels. He's seen this little fat calf kicking up his heels having a great time. He said, you know, he looked through the crack in the fence, got to looking on the internet, and said, such fanaticism. Can't hardly stand up. He's criticizing somebody else. Yes. Oh, God help us today. Yes, sir. I don't say we have the most fanatic, or the, we don't have any fanaticism as far as I know. I don't say we have the most spiritual church. But if I can get a little fatter and a little rounder, yes, sir. let me do it. Oh. Leave me alone. Yeah. Quit peeking through the fence and saying it's fanaticism. Yeah. I've just got vitamins. He said, no wonder he could pick up his heels. Yeah. I wonder sometimes why people can't kick up their heels. You know, I just I wonder. Is it, uh, there is no law against being happy in church. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. There is no law against kicking up your heels in church. There is nothing that says you have to sit there and look depressed in church. It is not a virtue. Depression is not one of the nine spiritual gifts. It's not a virtue, and I don't mean to make light of, of it. If you're going through something, that, I understand that, but we have a burden bearer. Yes. We have a load lifter. Yes. We got something that can take your pressure, take, take it off of you, let off the pressure. Yes. We got something that can do that tonight. Yes. We got vitamins if you'll just eat. Yes. Amen. If you'll just eat, it's what we say about horses. They were off their feet when they wouldn't eat, and they'd get skinny. Why, something was wrong with them. But if you could ever get an inoculation of the Holy Ghost, if you could ever get God down on the inside of you, you begin to eat again. Amen. He said when a man is filled with the Holy Ghost, there's something in him that's full of God's spiritual vitamin. Makes him praise God, shout, and act different. Because why? He's no longer earthbound. He's in the heavens sailing around in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
Brother Branham goes on in that sermon, that's countdown in 1964. He goes on to say that we have even more power now. Yes. Huh? Remember he said, because they were shouting 50 years ago, 100 years ago now at Pentecost. But he said we've even got more power now because the Bible said in Matthew 24, 28, wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. And then Brother Branham gets to talking about it, and the sea does not air with the shut. He said, the higher you go, the more you can see. He said, so it's time for eagles of this day to get to flying higher. Dig into God's promises. Not live on vulture food that's been killed years ago. Get out of it. Politics, voting in and voting out, saying this, that, or the other. The Holy Spirit has no more right of way in the church than nothing. No more prayer meetings. No more agonizing with God to fulfill his word. No more believing that the word is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Relies on half-rotten man-made theology. Where does he get it at of some man-made Sunday school program sheet? Some educator, people in the message want to go back to that? I say, God forbid. Yes. We don't need a, a, a man-made Sunday school program sheet. We need the Holy Ghost. Yes. Huh. Some educator killed for him back in some seminary telling him that the days of miracles is past. There's no such thing as the baptism of the Holy Ghost. All this is nonsense. He said, you mean to tell me an eagle would eat that? He couldn't do it. No, sir, neither will a Christian eat on that dead Karen from old denominational doctrines and things. They want the word of God fresh, the promise of the hour. God promised rabbits in the days of Luther. He promised other things in the days of others. But now he promised us. Yes. Can we say that tonight? He promised us. Yes. He promised us yes. a full square meal. Yes. <laughs> you ever went into a place and the food looks so good on the menu and it's a promise? Yeah. Right? I take that as a promise. If you're going to put that big beautiful hamburger up there on the menu or on the side you know the ones at Burger King and, and, and Hardee's they look so good and the grease is just dripping off of them you know and it looks so good when you get it it don't look like that does it it don't look like what it does on the picture it's a false promise yeah. it's false advertising but when God promised you a full square meal you're going to get all of it yeah. hey man he said he promised us a full square meal the full seven course menu for all someone say all 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 the seven seals are open. Yes. Yes. Argue with Brother Brandman if you want to argue about that. Yeah. And everything is ready. Amen. Yeah. For everything is ready for the word of God to those who can receive. Yes. Oh, do we believe it tonight? Yes. Right. Come on Amen. Maybe I shouldn't have drank that Gatorade before church. Come on. Come on. Amen. Oh, don't you love to eat? Yes. I'm not talking about the natural now. I'm talking about the spiritual. Don't you love to eat? He said it's all there. Yes. A full seven-course meal. We can pick up any. We could choose any. We didn't have to choose Daniel chapter 2 for the men's Bible study. We could choose any scripture in the Bible, and you find something in the message of the hour about it. Why? Because this is the opening of the book. Yes. The book is open. The word is open. Amen. And we see Christ in every word of it. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, but Jonathan heard not. Oh, I hope there's some people that haven't heard the denominational decree not to eat. Jonathan heard not when his father charged the people the oath. Amen. Wherefore he put forth the end of the rod that was in his hand and dipped it in a honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his eyes were enlightened. Yes. Amen. Amen. He could see. Hallelujah. And then answered one of the people and said, Thy father strictly charged the people. They looked at him and said, Hey, yeah. you can't have that. <laughs> Pastor Saul said no. Yeah. <laughs> he said, Cursed be the man that eateth any food this day. And the people were faint. Huh. Yeah. 
If the people are fainting our hour, it's not the fault of this Bible. It's not the fault of the message. It's our fault. Yes. It's preachers. Yeah. We're not feeding the people. I said, no, you can't feed them. They're out of order. He said, but he said, my father has troubled the land. He says, see, I pray you how mine eyes have been enlightened. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because I tasted a little of this honey. Oh, what a seven-course meal ought to do yes. to the people of God today that we can say, look how my eyes have been enlightened. Look how my life has changed. Look how I've moved from one dimension and moving into another. Look at how, how I've changed. Look at my joy. Look at the peace that I have. Look, look how I've reacted to it. Hey man, just like Daniel and his friends, they said, "Let us eat like we like the like the law says," and then you come back and look and see if we're not fatter than everybody else. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Yes, sir. Hey man, he said, "Listen, how much more if half of the people had eaten freely?" Yes, sir. That's what we ought to we we ought to put a sign on the door that says, "Eat freely." Amen. <laughs> eat freely, not on the fellowship hall in this building. Yes. Eat freely. Because if the people had eaten freely of the spoil of their enemies, which they found, had there not been that been now a much greater slaughter yes. among the Philistines. Right. And they smote the Philistines that day from Michmash to Agilon, and the people were very faint. If you read on, you find the people ate raw meat because they were so hungry. They couldn't eat the honey that was provided for them because of Pastor Saul's decree. So they went out to the animals that got killed in the battle and ate it with the blood, which was against God's word to do. But the brander said a hungry child will eat from a garbage can. The only reason he does is because he's not invited to a clean table. <laughs> How many young people have left message churches? <laughs> Hear me tonight. How many young people have left message churches because they were not invited? to a clean table. Yeah. And so they go out to the world and they go out to, to romantic relationships that are against the word of God. They go out to worldly pleasures because they were not invited to a clean table. But I'm here to tell you, church, and to these young people that are here, let, let's, and to us as adults, let, I challenge you, let's set a clean table for them. Amen. 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 People that live the word and believe the full seven-course meal and preach it. Yes. And are not afraid to keep preaching it no matter what the culture does. He said, but listen, you true believers in Christ, you true Christians that believe in God and the supernatural, all the time Saul was training this big army, all these intellectuals coming up, God had a little David out there somewhere feeding his father's sheep on sheep food. The word, not on theological weeds. I'm closing with this. Saul goes to ask the Lord again. He, he gets so frustrated because God won't speak to him. Yeah. And so he, he begins to think it's because the people didn't obey him. Isn't it strange how preachers who get off the word always blame the people? Yes. <laughs> they always blame the people. Well, the people, the people made me do it. The people, the people didn't care about me, and so I had to go off into the world. The people didn't do right. It's not the people's fault. People weren't being fed. <laughs> and Saul, he, he says, somebody went to a meeting they weren't authorized to. So he runs it down through lot by lot, and they chose him and Jonathan. 
Men had come down to Jonathan, and Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what thou hast done. And Jonathan told him, he said, I did but taste a little honey with the end of the rod that was in mine hand. Go ahead and kill me. And Saul answered, God do so and more also, for thou shalt surely die, Jonathan. He didn't know he was speaking prophecy. The people saved Jonathan then. But Jonathan would die on the same day his father did. And Saul probably thought, that the whole reason he'd built his denomination and built up his church was to pass it on to Jonathan. And Jonathan would end up dying with him because he say with him was under that same administration. You'll surely die, Jonathan. It was a prophecy and he didn't know it. See, the ravening wolf eats his own family. He's mad. Yeah. All he can think about is his bitterness. Yeah. I want to bring it home tonight. Because I know the last few services I preached about a lot of preachers and things like that. Think about yourself and your own life. Huh? Are you consumed with the passions of bitterness? Yeah. Anger, of lust, of, of something that controls your life? Are you a ravening wolf? Do you, does that old nature cause you to eat your own family where you would, you would cut off your own friends? I've known pastors who would who would cut off friendships that they've known for years. People who would do anything for them. Yeah. People who loved them. And they cut them off. Because they didn't want, they, want, they were protecting their own bitterness. Yeah. Jonathan will eventually die an early death with his father. In fact, the entire, <laughs> the entire family of Saul, except for one, Mephibosheth, can hardly say his name. He was saved. It was grace. <laughs> Maybe we'll have time to get to that story. I don't know. It was grace. David saved one out of that whole family. But most of the family died because Saul's bitterness and failure to break the cycle out of this civil war mentality, out of this denominational mentality, caused the death of his own son. A man anointed with a Benjamite ravening wolf spirit will destroy his closest friends, will destroy his family, will destroy his marriage for the sake of his complexes. Yes. Yeah. And blame it on the Word. Blame it on God. I tell you tonight, deal with your complexes. Deal with the problem. Deal with what's making you rage. Don't blame it on your family. Break that curse. Yes. Are you with me now? Yes. I'm serious now. You deal with it. Don't let it go on and on because eventually it will destroy everybody around you if you let it. Bow your heads with me. Musicians, come. Imagine a father speaking to his own son saying, Jonathan, you've got to die because I've got to be avenged of my enemies. My bitterness must prevail. I, I, I'm weak, and I know I'm weak, so I've got to act strong. Oh, God, it'd be better to acknowledge your weakness. It'd be better to stand there and say, I know I'm the man. I know I'm the man, like David did. Say, Lord, I know I'm the one who did it. It'd be better when the word is preached to acknowledge it. And say, oh, Lord, wash me with hyssop. That I may be clean. You see the difference in David. David wasn't a better man than Saul. But David could repent. 
David could repent. David could, lead, could completely throw himself on the mercies of God. And Saul maintained that he was not the reason everything went wrong. And so he blamed his wife and his children and David and everybody else. Maybe the Lord is dealing with your heart tonight. You just want to talk to him for a minute. I, you know, I firmly believe that we don't give Christians enough time sometimes to repent. We want sinners to repent, but we need to repent sometimes. Don't have that ravening wolf nature. If that's coming out in you and you find yourself striking out in bitterness, let go of that. Let God speak to you. Don't, don't let that rule your life. Don't let those family complexes, those stories, that, that ungodliness run your life. Don't let that bitterness run your church, run your, your office that you hold in the church. Deal with it. Let go of it. Break the family curse. You can do it. You and God are a majority. Take care of it. Don't, don't justify it. Well, my, we're just that way. Let it go. I'm not supposed to be that way. Let me be different. Let my people eat. Get to get a hold of the Word of God and start eating from it instead of feeding on your prejudice and your, the cancer of your bitterness. Let the Word heal you. Let the honey, they say honey has healing properties. It can actually heal a number of diseases if you'd eat local honey. We got some local honey. If you just eat the honey in the rock, you could have healing tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, and this little crowd here tonight and those that are watching, different ones, Lord. I, I'm not just preaching at them. I'm preaching to myself tonight, Lord. We, we don't want to be bitter. Oh, God, if there's something in my life that would keep me from where I ought to be in you, let me let go of it, Lord. No matter who caused it or I don't want to blame somebody else, but Lord, I realize that I'm the man. I have to be the one to lead my family. I've got to be the one Lord, that's called to the pulpit to preach the word. Let me preach it, Lord. Let me feed the people a full seven-course meal, not leave some out because I'm not living it. I pray you'd help me, Lord. Help me in every area of my life. Help these men, Lord. Lord, these leaders of families. Help these women, these mothers, Lord. Lord, these, these young women, these, the, the widows, the widowers. Lord, maybe it's just their own family. They say, well, I, I can just do whatever I want to because it doesn't matter. And no, I don't have a family anyway. Oh, God, help them to realize that everything that they do impacts the whole church. It impacts the whole family of God. Whether they go to church or not, they're still known as message people. They're still known by the name of the people of God. I pray you'd help them today. Lord, break down every bitter spirit. Break down, Lord. Saul was never a worshiper. He was never one. He was just always a complainer. He had the word, but he never worshiped. <coughs> he never reached out to God with it. Oh, God, would you help us today to be worshipers? Help us to be like David. Or we may make mistakes, but our hands are raised. Our lips are raised. Lord, we, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. When that presence, that sweet spirit comes among us, may we recognize that it's you, Lord. And let that anointing oil come down and just cover every part of our life. Oh God, may we worship you in spirit and in truth. Do those things that are right. 
But Lord, not by intellectual knowledge, but by the Spirit of God that wants to live and reign in our hearts. Oh, there's a King coming. The King is coming. Lord, let us wait and be patient and tarry until He comes and let you have complete control in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you love Him? Amen. I feel, I feel convicted, but I feel clean. That's all it takes. It's a moment. Brother Brandon put it this way. He said, I feel all scoured out. If you need to pray, the altar's open tonight. But if you want to just worship, be like David. Don't be like Saul, criticizing people all the time, blaming other people. Be like David. I'll be a worshiper. I'll be somebody who loves you, God. Even if I'm not perfect, I'll still love you. Amen. Restore to me, he said, the joy of my salvation so I can lead others to you. Amen. Oh, to live. Oh, I want to give. Why don't we stand and just worship you for a moment? There's just no more to give. Amen. I want to love. Thank you, Lord. Oh, love till there's just no more love. For I can never, ever out love the Lord. If you've had a good meal, why don't you thank the cook? He's the one that did it. I want to live. Amen. Amen. It wasn't me. I was just a servant. Oh, he wants me to live. Oh, I want to give. Thank you, Lord. Mercy rewrote my 
Make me 
Him with all our hearts. Here's my